This is Doug Storm. Welcome to Interchange. Today's show is on the troublesome films of Charles Burnett. But first, here's a bit of Gil Scott Heron's The Bicentennial Blues from 1976. And underneath that is John Handy's Tears of Ole Miss, recorded live at the 1965 Monterey Jazz Festival. Why should the blues be so at home here? Well, America provided the atmosphere. America provided the atmosphere for the blues and the blues was born. The blues was born on the American wilderness. The blues was born on the beaches where the slave ships docked. Born on the slave man's auction block. The blues was born and carried on the howling wind. The blues grew up a slave. The blues grew up as property. The blues grew up in Nat Turner visions. The blues grew up in Harriet Tubman courage. The blues grew up in small town deprivation. The blues grew up in big city isolation. The blues grew up in the nightmares of the white man. The blues grew up in the blues singing of Bessie and Billy and Ma. The blues grew up in Satchmo's horn, on Duke's piano, in Langston's poetry, on Robeson's baritone. The point is that the blues is grown. My guest today is Jim Naramore. He's the Chancellor's Professor Emeritus in Communication and Culture, English, and Comparative Literature at Indiana University. He's written arguably the best single book on the films of Orson Welles, and has now written what will surely be the standard in the field on the films of Charles Burnett. It's called Charles Burnett, A Cinema of Symbolic Knowledge, published by the University of California Press. Charles Burnett has been called the nation's least known great filmmaker and the country's most important African-American director. Jim Naramore declares that his major films, such as Killer of Sheep, My Brother's Wedding, To Sleep with Anger and the Glass Shield, explore history's effect on the structure of family. In films about working-class African-Americans that denounce cultural stereotypes and cliches, virtually the whole of Burnett's career has been devoted to the proposition that black lives matter. Tonight we're going to rush through a career that deserves sustained attention, but that's on you once our program ends. We've got four segments and we'll cover four films. In chronological order, Killer of Sheep, To Sleep With Anger, The Glass Shield, and Nat Turner, A Troublesome Property. Jim Naramore, welcome back to Interchange. Thanks, Doug. Jim, uh, let's jump into this as we have got a lot of ground to cover tonight. Can you first give us a brief summary of Charles Burnett's career or, you know, anything that you feel like is essential to us as we begin and and maybe tell us about his just receiving an honorary Oscar? Yeah, uh, uh, he is uh, getting an honorary Oscar. It's a wonderful piece of news. As you've already said in your introduction, uh, you you could argue that he's uh, America's most important uh, African-American director, but also um, uh, somebody who's not well enough known outside the little world of cinephiles. Some of his films are difficult to see, and I hope this award is going to make them uh, easier to see. Um, no career, I think, is more deserving of an Oscar. Killer of Sheep, uh, which concerns a black father in Watts who works in a slaughterhouse, has been listed as one of the 100 essential pictures by the National Society of Film Critics, and it was among the first films to be designated a national treasure by the Library of Congress. Mm. To Sleep with Anger in 1990 is a masterful blending of humor and gothic moods in a black family. The Glass Shield in 1994 is a powerful account of police corruption and murder based on actual events. Night John in 1996 is a very moving account of Southern slavery told from the point of view of a young black girl. And in my mind, it it belongs in company with the finest TV films ever made. Uh, And the half-documentary, half-fictional Nat Turner, A Troublesome Property, which we'll talk about, in my view, is the best treatment of that subject in either film or print. Hmm. Um, So this is someone 
who uh, has been resolutely independent all his career. He is, um, uh, he, there's nothing obscure about his films. Uh, several of them, in fact, are straightforward history lessons aimed at teenagers. But he resists melodrama, he doesn't traffic in sex and violence, and he assumes a caring and thoughtful audience. And for that reason, he hasn't appealed to your average Hollywood producer, and he has had to remain as authentic and independent as you can be. Right. Uh, biographically, quickly, he's from Mississippi or Mississippi, born in Mississippi? Born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and his family, at an early age, he moves to Los Angeles. His family's part of that southern black diaspora post-World War II. Uh, so he grew up in, in Watts in Los Angeles. And this is uh, um, a common theme throughout his films as well, this kind of southern to... to uh, uh, it, it is a, not in every one of his films, but it, it is a, th- a theme that shows up several times. They have to uh, often have to do with characters living in a family living in Los Angeles who have their roots in the South. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that combination of the, the country and the city... Uh, is an interest to him. Uh, you want to set up Killer of Sheep before we look at a clip or listen to Killer, it? Sorry. Well, <laughs> Killer of Sheep uh, <laughs> is hands down uh, the, the greatest what you could call student film ever made. Uh, he did it as an uh, MFA project in the 70s at, at UCLA. Uh, maybe we can hear the clip and I'll talk a little bit about the film. Sure, you bet. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. let's have, it's the opening scene of The Killer of Sheep. Do you want the stars to play with Or the moon to run away with They'll come if you don't cry So la 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 bye bye In your mother's arms be creeping You let anyone jump on your brother again And you just stand and watch Boy, I'll beat you to death I don't care who started what, or whether he was winning or losing. Boy, you get a stick or, 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 or a goddamn brick in anything, and you knock the shit out of whoever's fighting your brother. Because if anything was to happen to me or your mother, you ain't got nobody except your brother. And this goes for him, too. And he knows. You don't want to keep coming up with this off-the-wall bullshit about Henry started it. Now, if the the son of a bitch is too big for you, you come get me. (coughs) You are not a child anymore. You soon will be a goddamn man. Now, you start learning what life is about now, son. Again, that was the opening scene, or I guess the credit sequence, maybe, or the beginning uh, of the it's a, film. It's an autonomous, uh, self-sustaining sequence at the beginning of the movie. The characters in it don't recur in the rest of the film. It sits out, uh, sits at the beginning of The Killer of Sheep. Again, that's 1978. Uh, uh, 77. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I should explain that that little slap that you hear... Uh, is a mother walking forward and slapping her son's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father is, goes on this rant. And uh, a couple of interesting things about it. It begins with this, uh, this song. Uh, it's it's um, My Curly-Haired Baby, uh, which is, originates as a so-called plantation song. It was written by the uh, Australian, later British composer George Cloutsom, uh, who... Uh, intended it to be performed as art music, but he wrote the lyrics in a really crudely phonetic, naively racist, appallingly bad imitation of Southern black dialect. And then Paul Robeson later recorded the song dispensing with the phony dialect. And, And what Burnett does with this sequence is he frames it with the voices of children at the beginning and Paul Robeson at the end. Burnett, by the way, has long wanted to make a film about Robeson. Um, and the sequence is about 
how to become a man uh, in, in this um, working class, uh, impoverished world in Watts, the world that uh, Burnett uh, uh, grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- the film was shot on weekends uh, using locals uh, with mostly uh, un- untrained actors. Uh, I think the budget was about $10,000. Nobody had seen a film like this before, and it's hard, though it's influenced some later films, it's remarkable in a lot of ways. It, the story is about a guy who works in a sheep slaughterhouse mm-hmm. and is trying to keep his family together. He's suffering from depression because of his job, as you can just imagine that job. Uh, he has a, a teenage son and a little daughter. Uh, and, and a wife who's troubled because he seems to have lost all sexual inf- uh, interest and is just depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the movie doesn't, it's not like the usual social problem film. It doesn't, doesn't set up a problem and then solve it somehow. Uh, it's just a series of vignettes involving the everyday life of this man and his family and the neighborhood, uh, and it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's a rendering of Watts and like the the train yard. It's, there's rubble everywhere. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a burnout district. It, yeah. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a horrifying. And at the same time, children are playing. And yeah. You there's know, there's yeah. humor in the film, yeah. believe it or not. A lot of people don't recognize that. <laughs> okay. But a lot of <clears throat> a lot of Burnett's work has got to do with children. Mm. Uh, uh, he, he either has them as little as observers of the adult action. Uh, sometimes he tells the po- film from the point of view of a child, uh, and uh, I, I think that's a very significant aspect of what he does. Hmm. Now, music is important here as well uh, throughout his his obvious uh, his right. career and his films. But in this in this film in particular, you mentioned Robeson. Robeson comes back in uh, later as well. I think in uh, he sings uh, what what it means to be an American or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which is again a wonderfully ironic uh, sure. placement of that particular yeah, particular yeah, song. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, what what you would call what they nowadays call a compilation score uh, uh, consisting of a very wide variety of music uh, it, it, in fact uh, uh, when, when this film uh, finally was going to be distributed uh, Burnett ran into problem because he, he wanted to use a, a, a tune by Dinah Washington and, and couldn't get the rights for it but it ranges everywhere from classical music to uh, Louis Armstrong mm-hmm. to uh, you name it uh, and it, it's mixed in a different way it doesn't it doesn't sort of collaborate with the sound in it. It's, it's, it stands stands apart from the rest of the, the, the ongoing dramatic sound in the film, uh, and and it's one of the more impressive uh, uses of music. Well, it, one it, of my favorite uh, scenes is when the little girl is singing "Reasons" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. nice. She's singing it to her doll while her mother is putting on makeup. Yeah, she has a little naked white doll while her mother is preparing for the father to come. Burnett, home, yeah. uh, Burnett mentions uh, that, and primarily that you know, again, as you say, children are very important, but. Ch- Children and survival are key themes, uh, especially yes. in this film. Just yes. get, just surviving this yes. particular environment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, th- that's really the theme of the film. Mm-hmm. N- it also announced in that sequence that you just showed is uh, what's what's a man? Well, yes, uh, yeah. And, and um, uh, the the central character in the film is a man. He's keeping his family together, uh, and 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 this and a, a couple of other films by by Burnett re- re- reflect. I think what's Black sociologists have called it the survivalist ethos of, of uh, um, black culture. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah. Mm. Well, let me uh, read a little bit of this because it was interesting how, uh, how he focuses on survival and then how, you, how it sort of desensitizes mm-hmm. you. Um, so when you're growing up, it poses some moral problems. You become more and more insensitive. The only thing that matters is survival. Um, it's uh, callousness gradually alienates you, distances you from other people, and complicates relations in a particular way. Survival implies a good deal of mistrust, particularly relations between men and women, and that's why I show these children in Killer of Sheep always there, attentive to what their parents are doing, witnesses to everyday drama, that lack of trust that you grow up, uh, uh, you yeah, know, it's, yeah. a, it's essential he's, part. He's very acute and honest about uh, the world he grew up in. In fact, part of this film was filmed near the house he he. Uh, right. He lived in, and and um, uh, the, the 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 sort of implicit chauvinism of the black community he's aware of, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, the, uh, some of them have very very conservative attitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it, yes, mm-hmm. well uh, let's let's take a break uh, and uh, we'll listen to "Precious Memories" by Sister Rosetta Tharp. 
uh, which shows up in Burnett's To Sleep With Anger and Warming by the Devil's Fire. More on the films of Charles Burnett with Jim Naramore when Interchange returns. Support for WFHB comes from the Limestone Post, an online culture and lifestyle magazine for Bloomington and beyond. Explore articles, photo essays, and videos on the arts, outdoors, local history, community events, and all the topics that make Bloomington such a great place to live. Limestone Post, writers with a voice, photographers with a vision, online at limestonepostmagazine.com. And support for Interchange comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening. Featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted cocktails, the Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the hyphen uptowncafe.com. to Interchange. I'm Doug Storm. Our guest today is Jim Naramore, film scholar and author. His newest book is about the filmmaker Charles Burnett. Um, We just heard Sister Rosetta Tharp's Precious Memories at the break. Uh, Is that a a special song for Burnett, or is there a reason he uses that particular song in To Sleep With Anger? Uh, It is a special song. It was his grandmother's favorite song, and um, he uses it again in um, Warming by the Devil's Fire, his movie about blues music. Um, he 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 uses the song at the beginning of uh, "The Sleep with Anger," which, by the way, is one of my very favorite uh, uh, Burnett films. I think it's it's a masterpiece, and it's a dirty, crying shame that it hasn't been available uh, digitally in the U.S. for a long time. You can get it now. I watched it on Netflix. Uh, on Netflix, no, no, on, I bought it on Amazon. Sorry. It's uh, on Amazon. That I, oh, I that's wonderful. I didn't even. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> that's yeah. I just. I just watched all, it yesterday. All, all I know is you, you haven't been able to get a, a Blu-ray or a DVD <laughs> oh, of it okay, for quite okay, a while. Yeah. I streamed uh, it. Yes. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Rosetta it's a Favre. favorite of mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, that song was written by a guy named Thomas. Well, at least it's credited to several people, but uh, as, as as far as I'm concerned, it's written by a guy named Thomas Dorsey who. Was, was thought of as the father of gospel music, and the singer, Sister Rosetta Tharp, has been called the godmother of rock and roll. Mm. And uh, there's a kind of a synthesis, I think, in the song between spiritual and rock and roll. Mm. Uh, uh, and I think uh, Burnett was interested in it because while his mother, his grandmother liked spirituals, his mother liked the blues. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of dialectic in his film between those uh, two things. And uh, the synthesis of them is very nice here at the beginning. He uses it as the background music for a dream sequence at the beginning of the film, where uh, this film has changed locales. The first two films he made were in Watts. This one is in a place called Sugar Hill uh, in Los Angeles, where a a black family from the South, again, uh, uh, live in a comfortable um, uh, craftsman bungalow. 
the films, the, the first films tended to be about uh, the, the problem of sur- survival because of money and, uh, and family tensions. But this one is, is more about generational problems, a split that happens within the family between the younger generation, especially babe brother or young, uh, the youngest son of the family who uh, is, is aspiring to the middle class and beginning to turn away from his family. <clears throat> and um, so this dream sequence sets up the action for what happens later in the film. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, as I said, it is also one of, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, it's just uh, what's Danny Glover, too. I mean, he, uh, yeah. he's amazing uh, in the right. film also. The Danny Glover uh, was, at the time this film was made, uh, the most successful black actor in Hollywood. It's the Lethal Weapon. The Lethal Weapon yeah. franchise, yeah. right. <laughs> and uh, uh, they offered him the script. They thought that he would play Babe Brother, the younger brother, because it was rumored that he, he liked young roles. And he looked at this and said, no, I, w- I want to play this fellow Harry, yeah, who's at the center part. of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it is one of his most extraordinary performances. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah. great in it. Um, so To Sleep With Anger, it actually has a, um, comes from a, a Bible verse. Is that right? That's right. It's in Ephesians, although there, there are lots of other uh, attributions to that uh, thing other people could uh, give you other examples basically it just means don't go to bed angry <laughs> and uh, my father always told me that was the key to a good marriage uh, uh, and and it is the problem here uh, there's anger in this family and what happens is that uh, the family they they have a <coughs> Gideon the, 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 the father uh, uh, is retired I, I his in his pension is unclear to me. I asked uh, Charles Burnett about it. And he said Gideon probably had a job at, in the post office, but earlier he worked for the railroad in a kind of John Henry-like way. And his wife is a, um, a, a, a teacher of natural childbirth. Uh, and so they have a little income, but they raise chickens and stuff in the backyard. Yeah. And uh, uh, they're, they're, they're just getting along. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So you do have a, a like you say, a family tensions here, as you say. It's interesting too. Then the names are all important, obviously as well. Gideon, and then uh, Will, uh, uh, Danny Glover's character. We'll talk about what yeah. his name means as well. But then Babe Brother and Junior is the actual oldest child. Oldest so, child. So That's he's right. he's he's attached to the name of the father. That's right. Right. And, That's and, right. But Babe Brother is nameless. Basically. Yes. Yes. He's often called boy or oh, yeah, or right. Babe Brother all the a, time. Uh, yeah, this is and, and, and he has good him. reason to be resentful. <laughs> Uh, uh, of the family, uh, and and he is able because of that able to be seduced by this fellow Harry who arrives. Maybe right. I should explain. Yeah, about go who ahead. Harry, Harry, Harry comes on the scene. Yeah, what mm-hmm. happens is an old friend of Gideon's named Harry, uh, en, en route from uh, Detroit to Oakland, stops at the front door to say hello, and he's invited into the house, and he becomes a semi permanent guest. They can't get rid of him. Right. Harry, the name Harry, is a very sly allusion to the mythical Harry Man of uh, uh, West African and, and uh, Southern black uh, folklore. It's kind of a trickster. A trickster who can uh, t- take your soul if you don't watch out, <laughs> if, you, if you don't outwit him. That's why Glover is so good. He's, he's, he's terrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have this mixture of uh, vulnerability and sinisterness uh, about him. You look like you should in. trust him, and then his face yes. has that little yeah. twinkle in it. Yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And what, the minute he comes into the house, uh, Strange and magical things start to happen. Well, uh, tied yeah. to this uh, this thing, like a Toby. That that's like, right. Yeah. That's right. At the, at the end of the dream sequence, uh, which the, the dream sequence is about Gideon, uh, uh, dressed in a sort of dapper gangster outfit and and uh, flames engulfing him, and he wakes up in the backyard with a Bible in his lap. He goes in and talks to his wife and says, "You know, I've lost my Toby," <clears throat> and the Toby is a. Um, is a charm again it, it it originates in african culture but but uh, in southern black culture where uh, a, a certain kind of conjuring mixed with christianity mm-hmm. uh, and it, it would be a family homemade charm to keep you out of trouble right. and uh, uh so it has a sort of magical property and and when so Gideon loses it, and pretty soon Harry shows up, and it turns out Harry himself has lost He's his lost charm. lost his Toby, too. His, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, that's actually part of the clip we're going yeah. to listen to now. So let's go ahead and, and listen. Uh, can we say yeah, that sure. this clip sure. is, is Harry talking to Babe Brother and Babe Brother's middle-class wife. Linda, I think. Is Linda, right, is right? who is... Uh, Sonny is their son, is that right? Sonny is Again, their son. Again, a nameless child. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 uh, Gideon has been taking care... Gideon and Susie have been taking care of Bay Brother's kid while whatever Bay Brother does. Right, right. And, and um, so now they're in, in the kitchen 
while the rest of the family's off at church. And uh, here, uh, Glover starts to work his magic. You don't like the rest of Gideon's friends. Most of them believe if you're not hard at work, then you're hard at sin. Yeah, I'm, I'm all modern in my ways. Yeah, I don't believe in sin, though there is good and evil. And evil is something that you work at. No, uh, uh, mustn't touch. Your mother may not like you handling knives. I think we just wanted to see a rabbit's foot. Oh, I'll let this rabbit's foot take the place of my Toby, which I lost years ago. <clears throat> What's a Toby? The charm that old people teach you how to make. You don't want to be at a crossroad without one. I had one for a long time that used to belong to my grandmother who had it since she was a child. In my travels, I misplaced it. And I've been looking over my shoulder ever since. How you like that? <laughs> I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Again, that was a clip from To Sleep With Anger. That was Danny Glover uh, as the character Harry talking about his lost Toby. My favorite, uh, it's got to be one of my favorite lines ever, that evil is something you have to work at or something you work at, right? Yeah, you yeah, get better yeah, at it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. In fact, he says later on, there's this kid next door with a trumpet who's annoying everybody, blaring away at it. He said, you know, if that kid doesn't practice, he's never going to be any good at it, uh, uh, at what he's doing. Uh, yeah, you, you want that that scene to play longer because mm -hmm. it's such a wonderful monologue by uh, yeah. by Glover mm -hmm. uh, and it becomes more and more sinister as it goes along. Um, uh, yeah, and by the way, he says, you don't want to be at a crossroads when this happens, which is an allusion to a famous myth of the blues where uh, musicians traded their souls at a crossroads uh, to create this down and dirty music. Uh, the, the, what happens with the music, by the way, is there's a party scene uh, later and the two strands of the music the spiritual and the and 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 the blues split apart that's a good one and yeah. and, and um, uh, th there are two songs during the party one is cc rider which could be harry's theme mm -hmm. and the other one is stand by me which could be the family theme mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't get reconciled until the end mm -hmm. and uh it gets reconciled in a very interesting jazz way mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. anyhow yeah. yeah no that's a great scene and it's uh, it also calls into uh i guess um it brings uh, to the fore the the man woman uh sort of dichotomy yes. there as well yes. yeah yes. and yeah. evil tied to the the, yeah. the sexuality of the woman as right, well right 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 yeah no a babe brother who's listening avidly to this conversation by harry is is he's gotten to a point where uh he's open to the temptation of a, a, a an old-time bad man who wants to hit the road and have make make love to lots of women and right. carry a knife yeah. uh, uh and he momentarily gets gets down the road by the way the film a lot of people don't realize how funny the film yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's has its scary moments, but it's also a very funny film. It's it's a very good one. Uh, you want, it struck me there too. I was thinking about uh, the Toby again. He shows up looking for his Toby in a sense too. Yes, right? He's yeah. going to take almost going to take Gideon's Toby in it, and maybe he sort of is trying to. Right? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't want to yeah, give yeah, that away yeah, though. Yeah, so yeah I, I don't I don't want to <laughs> tell too much about this the this this the end of the uh, of the movie, but. Uh, uh, the movie could have been, if Burnett had wanted to, he could have called it The Trouble with Harry, yeah, which yeah. was a Hitchcock movie that he remembered seeing uh, when he was a kid. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh -huh. It's a good one. So go out and see it as soon as we're done. Mm -hmm. You can get it. You can stream it. So let's do that. Um, it's time for another break. This is Black Man Sings the Blues, performed by Lance Eaton and Ernie Banks off of the soundtrack to The Glass Shield. Stay with us for more on the films of Charles Burnett when Interchange returns. Kick it. 
thinking of about sun The way it's gone down since the time begun Plymouth Rock landed on a black man's soul Just ain't the way most history is told Broken spirits, broken face Slavery dropped down on a noble race African warrior wiping the boots Of a white slave master who stole his roots Don't let him breathe, don't let him write Don't let him stand up long enough to fight And just in case that's what he's got in mind Hanging from a tree with a piece of twine He's half a human, three-fifths of a man Southern God don't even give a goddamn And if you think this is all old news The black man today is still singing the blues This is listener-supported WFHB Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville Community Radio for South Central Indiana And online at WFHB.org Take a quick look at the weather. It's currently overcast and 90 degrees outside. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 66. Wednesday, partly sunny, then a slight chance of showers, high of 82. Wednesday night, partly cloudy and a low of 53. Thursday, sunny, a high of 73, and mostly clear Thursday night and a low of 51. Stay tuned for more interchange. Casting books, shucking up the shadows on the black scapegoats. It ain't no puzzle, needs no clues to see why the black man sings the blues. Welcome back to Interchange. Our show is about the films of Charles Burnett, who many have called the most important African-American filmmaker in the U.S. Applause, uh, of course, uh, one of the best filmmakers in the U.S. in period, I assume, and one no one has generally heard of. Our guest is Jim Naramore, whose new book is Charles Burnett, The Cinema of Symbolic Knowledge. For this segment, we'll be looking at The Glass Shield. This was a 1994 film, right, Jim? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it... it uh, it, it, it follows on, on the film we, we, we just talked about. And both of these films, I think, suffered because their distributors didn't handle them well. One was uh, Goldwyn and one was Miramax. That's right. right. And Miramax uh, uh, saw this as, a, as an action film for young black men. And it's, it's not that it's kind of It's got Ice Cube in it, Jim. It's got Ice Cube. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, Ice Cube has a relatively small role. Very, very small part. Uh, right. But he was featured very much in the ads for the movie. And, and on the DVD case. Yes, on the DVD yeah. case. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, this movie is, is th- that song, by the way, that you just played, it comes at the end of the uh, uh, the film. And, and uh, uh, the music for it is, is uh, by a guy named uh, Stephen James Taylor, who did a wonderful job with the music, an unorthodox uh, uh, soundtrack in this movie. Um, and he, he has been one of uh, Burnett's l- uh, longest uh, collaborators. Yeah. We'll hear another one of his songs later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this film is uh, it's kind of post-Rodney King as well, right? N- Rodney right. King was, what, 91? Right, right. And this was 94, so there's certainly that going on in it. Right. It's uh, based on a true story that, that's, also? That's right. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's based on the true story of uh, a fellow named John Eddie Johnson, who was the first black officer in the— Sheriff's Department in Signal Hill, which is a small municipality located within the larger city of Long Beach, California. Uh, Johnson uh, served there in 1981 when uh, Ron Settles, who was a black football player at Cal State Long Beach, was arrested and found severely beaten and hanging dead in his jail cell. Signal Hill claimed the death was a suicide. No charges were filed against officers at the station, but Johnny Cochran uh, succeeded enforcing the city to pay a settlement to the Settles family. And part of that settlement, by the way, meant that you couldn't make a film about that particular case. You couldn't name these characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, So what Burnett does uh, is is make a film loosely based on that case Mm -hmm. involving, and by the way, John John Eddie Johnson became an advisor for the Oh, he did. Uh, for the glass shield mm. as well. So uh, Burnett's adapting this particular film. To Sleep With Anger, he wrote uh, on his own. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. and, 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 but he is the screenwriter of this. Of this film. This mm-hmm. is, 
it, it derives from an earlier screenplay, which he did not write, but he, he changed it considerably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, a, a, an idealist, idealistic young black officer? That's right. It's, it's about a, a fellow who becomes uh, the first uh, black officer in a, in a, in a fictional sh- sheriff's station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's played by Michael Boatman, and he's a kid who's always wanted to be a policeman and uh, has a very idealistic notion of policing yeah. and is very proud to have this appointment. His idea and of policing is, is given, um, I guess, sketched in at the very beginning of the film with the, the, the comic book yeah. uh, uh, opening, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fantasy of his, mm-hmm. a, a sort of comic book fantasy of how he's going to rescue the innocent from uh, uh, bad guys and yeah, uh, uh, yeah. anyway yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the basically the film is is it's maybe somewhat a standard film at this point you know it's this was 94 it's the kind of rotten cops uh, movie. yeah, yeah. There, there are several of those mm-hmm. uh, I think this one is more interesting than your mm-hmm. average sure, one. yeah sure. it's been compared to Sidney uh, Lumet's film uh, uh, Serpico, mm-hmm. but uh, I think the, the condition is very, very different, uh, uh, and and this this one ends in a more far more downbeat way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. let's let's listen to a clip. This is from the commander of the unit, Commander Massey, who's I, I think played by the guy who was uh, Richard, L- Richard Anderson, Lee Major. Like he was in Six Million Dollar. Yes, Man, he died right? recently. He right. was in a lot of interesting films. Right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so Commander Massey is the is the command uh, commander of this uh, uh, group of. Of, of problematic police officers. Yeah, the whole station is rotten. Yeah, yeah. and he's he's talk he's he's going to talk to uh, uh, Michael Boatman's character. Deputy, I hope you're more alert when you're out in the field. Um, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I was uh, I was reading this book. One would think you're reading Gone with the Wind. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a code book, sir. Still fiction. Did you um, fill out this arrest report? Yes, sir. Well, I've seen three-year-olds that spell and use grammar better than that. That document may have to be used in a court of law. One little error, and criminals can walk. So, Mr. Johnson, will you get it right? Uh, Excuse me, sir, what words did I misspell? Sepulveda, here. What's the subject of this sentence? Group is a subject, not people, so the verb is is. Intelligent people. We'll be looking at that report somewhere down the line. Yes, sir. Sir? Oh, Deputy Fields, I've been meaning to talk to you. Some of the men are uh, complaining about your heavy use of uh, perfume. Well, sir, I will lower my voice and start wearing Old Spice if it makes those men happy. Oh, it's not a question of a leopard changing his spots. The animal. People. People have to fit in. Edgemar Sheriff Station, please hold. Sir. Morning, Trooper. Hi. <laughs> I see that Massey's got someone else to pick on for a while. <laughs> I'm their first female deputy. And besides trustees, you're the only black face around. I was picked by the commissioner's office. <laughs> Look, Trooper, we were both picked for our jobs. That and a dollar will get you on the bus. Uh-oh. What sign are you? That was a clip from The Glass Shield. That's Michael Boatman uh, playing J.J., I think. That's uh, right, J.J., uh, yeah. And uh, Laurie Petty, Petty playing right. uh, Officer Fields. Uh, I, I wanted to use that clip primarily just because it shows that sexism is a big part of this particular film oh, yeah. as well. Oh, and, yeah, and, and, and J.J. is himself a sexist yeah, uh, yeah. here at the beginning. Throughout and the film, he's, he makes yeah. fun of her butt at one point, yeah, too, yeah, I believe. R- yeah, right, but they, yeah. they, 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 they later form a bond. Yes. And... Yes. and uh, uh, and he, he, his consciousness gets changed uh, the more he works at that station. That's, a, that's an interesting clip. It's one of a series of his early experiences where he's being given lessons. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I had to look up Sepulveda to figure out how to Was spell it. Was it a street? It. It's a street, it's a street yeah, yeah. right? Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, he's, so he becomes obsessed with making his reports accurate. And uh, like his other lessons, because he's trying to be a good cop, ironically, 
he later discovers that one of his reports has been tampered with. The, uh, ch- the chief bites himself on yeah, the butt. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And, and Laurie Petty, who's wonderful in the movie, she uh, she's based loosely on a Jewish male character mm. uh, from that same period. And uh, 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 But anyway, the, the, the fact that he, he Burnett makes it a woman uh, uh, adds a lot of interest to the movie. Yeah. It does, yeah. and there's a fair amount of anti-Semitism in the police force yes, there Yes, exactly. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty funny as they, they kind of tease each other there as if it's lighthearted, but it's very sinister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The atmosphere in the entire movie is very sinister. Yeah, you're, you're put in the position of J.J., and things get pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. That's but I, I do love the, the, you know, the commander coming up and asking if he's reading Gone with the Wind yeah. also. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that perfect it's probably, probably the commander's favorite book. I'm sure. Yeah, and then yeah. and then he says no it's the code book and you can't hear him but he says still fiction <laughs> you can you can barely yeah, yeah, yeah. hear it. Mm-hmm. still fiction mm-hmm. i love it but it's also uh it's kind of an interesting thing obviously um first woman uh first black man and, and obviously we have resonance of these uh, in our in our, our particular presidential races recently exactly. as well yeah, right yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 still we continue to come around and go around mm-hmm. with these same issues yes, yes. um this yeah, one, i mean yeah. we're living in what i would think of as a semi-fascist America right now, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Burnett's films have more relevance than ever. Yeah. They do, they do. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, what happens in this film, too, um, uh, is that uh, Ice Cube, the Ice Cube character, uh, gets pulled over. Oh, why does it get pulled over? He gets profiled mm-hmm. at a gas station, mm-hmm. and uh, he does have a weapon in the car. Yes, and he has a, 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 a record of sorts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But he's clearly. Um, uh, th- this is part of the movie, right? That uh, yeah. you pull over and profile, and and it's it's obvious throughout what's happening, and and uh, the Michael Boltman character plays along. Yes, he does. Yep. He's, he's learned that you you always back up your partner. Uh, that's a key yeah. lesson. He <laughs> learns other lessons. Mm-hmm. He's learning a lot of lessons mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, is this uh, was this along with To Sleep with Anger? Or what you would call the most commercial movies that Burnett has done, or uh, uh, yeah, Hollywood-like I, I, yes, movies. Yes, I, I would say so. Uh, uh, he made another movie, a, a sort of a genre movie. I guess you could call it "To Sleep with Not to Sleep," uh, uh, "The Glass Shield," mm-hmm. a sort of a genre movie, though it's unusual by any standard. Mm-hmm. But then he made a movie called uh, "The Annihilation of Fish" with James mm-hmm. Earl Jones and Lynn Gr- Redgrave, mm-hmm. and it's a romantic comedy, but it's about uh, people of different race a love affair between people of two different races old old people who are both schizophrenic <laughs> oh my gosh yeah uh, i've not seen and, that one uh, no it, you that's one of them it's very hard to see it never got a distributor oh, okay. Uh, okay. it's not a great film but it's it's worth seeing it yeah, sounds yeah, interesting I, well i i'm going to jump back really quickly here because i i missed something into sleep with anger that i wanted to because it ends up with um gideon um, telling a joke at the end yes. that his wife won't let him tell. Yes. Right? She's like, right. I don't want to hear any more jokes right. about hell or right. or right. black people going to hell. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone to tell any more jokes. She's yeah. very, I mean, this has been a terrible three-week period for yeah. her. Yeah. And and he says, it's just a tale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And by the way, the joke is, is, is about uh, a guy who gets a one-way pass to heaven <laughs> and he, he goes up and looks around and he says, "What? Uh, uh, everybody's everybody's working hard <coughs> and 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 uh uh you know because uh idleness is the devil's workshop right. uh, and so then he gets an express to hell and he sees everybody lolling back and taking easy and he says what are you doing they say sinning <laughs> and uh he gets about that far and then uh, and she cuts him off and, 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 and the and the um and the story he's telling is in a way the story of the film because yeah. it's about uh, uh bay brother and uh, it is uh, good and evil and, and idleness uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's uh, let's go to another break. Uh, this is "Give Me Freedom" uh, by Stephen James Taylor off of the soundtrack to Burnett's film Warming by the Devil's Fire. Taylor has written the scores to most of the features of Charles Burnett, including the award-winning To Sleep With Anger, uh, The Glass Shield, and Namibia, The Struggle for Liberation. Stay with us for more Interchange.
Support for Interchange comes from listeners like you and Smithville Fiber, a local provider of internet, voice, and TV service, now also offering home automation and security systems for homes and offices throughout South Central Indiana. More information on Smithville's home automation service is available at smithvillesecurity.com. And support for WFHB comes from Chris Holly, attorney at law, helping families prepare for Medicaid eligibility for long-term nursing home and at-home care. Your guide through the Medicaid maze at 812-335-8294 or medicaidguide.com. Support for WFHB comes from the Rider Film Series for more than a quarter century presenting foreign language, independent, and classic American films at locations around Bloomington. Information about this week's screenings at therider.com. Welcome back to Interchange. Our show is the troublesome films of Charles Burnett. Our guest is the great film scholar Jim Naramore. Jim's new book is about Charles Burnett's uh, films. It's called Charles Burnett, a cinema, a, excuse me, Jim, a cinema of the symbolic? Of symbolic knowledge. That that term, by the way, is Burnett's Burnett's term, and he doesn't mean symbols the way that. Tell us about what that, what what does that mean? uh, It doesn't mean what uh, the symbolist poets or the semioticians mean by uh, symbolic. He means simply that stories convey knowledge uh, through symbolic actions. Mm. Uh, uh, he's not trying to symbolize. There's no code to his films or anything of that sort. And, and not, the emphasis on knowledge is important, I think, because in many ways he's an educator. And, mm. and, and one of the things he early on thought was that uh, stories uh, in, in films ought, ought to play something like the role of what he called the old Negro folklore, which, uh, or, or like the stories that Gideon tells, the jokes that Gideon mm-hmm, tells, the mm-hmm. stories that are told to children that help form their imagination and their character. Well, the uh, pri- it's problematic in The uh, Killer of Sheep because the children are listening in to the troubles. Yes, Not exactly. hearing uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. worthwhile stories, I right, suppose. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to turn to Nat Turner now, speaking of stories and education, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? Um, and maybe experiment in film in some ways. This yes. is a mix of It's an fiction, unusual film. Yeah. Um, something um, documentary and essay essayistic at the same time and fictional and yes and fictional uh, again this is nat turner a troublesome property uh so tell us a little bit about the film jim uh well i i guess people know who nat turner maybe was. they should don't I say something? yeah we should I, we don't know, know a lot right, about nat right, turner right. he 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 was born a slave in southampton county virginia in 1800 and then uh, he, he actually was, was literate uh, uh, and converted to religion. He even converted a white man at one point. Uh, and, uh, and then in 19, 1831, he led a rebellion of about 50 neighborhood slaves and free blacks armed with nothing but uh, farm implements who killed about 60 white men, uh, women, and children of the plantation owner class. And Nat himself later confessed to killing one person, a, a young woman named Margaret Whitehead. His punishment was pretty severe when they caught him. Uh, a, a lot has been uh, written about uh, uh, Nat Turner. A lot has fictional versions of, of Nat Turner have been done. Uh, what what Burnett was originally going to do with this film was was make a uh, travel to Northampton and 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 make what he called a. Um, a truth and reconciliation documentary by interviewing the citizens there. Hmm. But they got wind of it ahead of time in a local newspaper, and oh. they said, we don't want these people <laughs> from California coming nice. out here. Uh, 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 and, uh. and so it all blew up in their faces. So he and his uh, oh, collaborators, uh, Frank Christopher and Kenneth Greenberg, uh, went apart and said, okay, uh, we'll make another kind of film. And the kind of film they made 
does involve interviews with people in in, in the area, but it it, uh, it it becomes a film about representations of Matt Turner. Yeah, that's really over over history, and and uh, it, it, he's been depicted in in so-called uh, documentary ways. He's been depicted fictionally by a whole range of writers, mm-hmm. uh, and what uh, Burnett does. Is he has six different actors playing uh, Matt Turner from little dramatized excerpts from these fictional things, and then he has interviews with scores of people, uh, uh, some of them right wing, some of them left wing, talking about Matt Turner, and then he even shows himself making the, the process film. of making it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. which would, you might think is is completely relativistic, but it's not. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, this is the smartest and most thoughtful thing about Nat Turner anybody's ever done, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating movie. I'd, I'd watch it multiple times. Um, so because we don't have a ton of time and we want to hear mm-hmm. at least one clip here, um, let's go ahead and jump into one of those representations. This is a bit out of the film where William Styron, who wrote The Confessions of Nat Turner, using the title, same title as the first Confessions of Nat Turner by Thomas Gray, which was also uh, plausibly, let's call it hearsay, because no yes, one can yes. say these yeah. are actually... Gray was trying to make money, I know. Right, yes. right. <laughs> he was also a, a, an author as much as, mm-hmm. as anything else. So this is William Styron um, that begins with William Styron talking about his, his representation of, of Nat Turner. My intention had been from the very beginning to try to present a multifaceted, complex overview of slavery as an institution which totally degraded a race of people and that included such torment upon one of its more gifted sons, namely Nat Turner, that it indeed turned him into a um, half-crazed avenger. My book turned him into a far more heroic figure than the actual Nat Turner was, because I gave him human dimensions. He didn't humanize Nat Turner for me, because I came to the novel with my own version of Nat Turner firmly established in my head. So to whom did he humanize? To the white community? That might be possible, since the white community has always tended to look upon our rebels you know, as demons and as subhumans, as people who are attacking the bastions of white civilization. When I was growing up, I was taught in American history books that Africa had no history, and neither did I. That I was a savage, about whom the less said the better, who had been saved by Europe and brought to America. And of course, I believed it. I didn't have much choice. Those are the only books there were. I am one of the people who built the country. Jimmy Baldwin moved into my house here in Connecticut in the winter of 1960. By this time, I was boiling to write the book. And I think it was he who encouraged me more than anyone else to seize the idea of the first person and to plunge into that kind of uh, narrative mode. Because he himself had already begun to deal with the idea of writing about white people from an intimate point of view. And he said that what you should do as a white writer is to, uh, to be bold and take on the persona of a black man, Nat Turner. Again, that was a snippet out of Nat Turner, A Troublesome Property, a film by Charles Burnett. This is Doug Storm on Interchange talking with James Naramore. Uh, that, again, is troublesome. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Nat Turner was property. He becomes a troublesome property as, as text as well. Yeah, yeah uh, right. Uh, that's the thesis of the film, that mm-hmm. in death he becomes the property of his various rep- people who want to represent him. Right. Yeah. We heard Ossie Davis there as well, the actor-activist yes. uh, Ossie Davis. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, uh, William Styron, and then James Baldwin there as well, talking about being uh, termed a savage, a civilized savage, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, by, by the way, it should be pointed out that uh, uh, Styron, uh, won the Pulitzer Prize. He, big, he was, a, was a bestseller. Yeah. He was on the front cover of Newsweek. He probably introduced uh, Nat Turner to middle-class America who didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I was going to say and, that's and, how people know we, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nat Turner. But it probably. caused a furor in the, in the black community yeah. because 
uh, uh, Styron gave this sort of semi-Freudian interpretation in which uh, uh, Nat is driven crazy by his sexual desire for Margaret Whitehood. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's also, there is a homoerotic element in, in, uh, in, in that book too. Now, uh, it's okay if he wants to, to do that, but, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the black community was highly offended. And uh, uh, blocked a Hollywood attempt to adapt the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it, it's obviously uh, problematic. Styron himself just sort of using uh, racist stereotypes, uh, and at the height of the the '60s civil rights crisis as well, to kind of reintroduce the scare scare tactics of the yeah, aggressive right. black sexualized uh, predator for the most that's, part. That's right. Yeah, and based yeah. on one basically one particular line almost in Thomas Gray's Confessions, right? Yeah, because like yeah. I mean, yeah. then what what uh, Burnett Burnett shows this. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing sexual. I mean, in terms of that, right. that, that line. Right. It's right. like I found yeah. Margaret hiding, and then I killed yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I clearly loved her, and and had I wanted to have a lot of sex with her before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's ridiculous. Yeah. No. Uh, and and the um, the idea that Baldwin gave him justification for it. That was is that did, was that proven he, that he, he actually said well, that? Well, uh, Baldwin defended the book. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did Ralph Ellison. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, most other black intellectuals hated it. Mm. Uh, uh, Baldwin was friends with, with Styron. Right. Uh, and Baldwin himself had experimented with, with, a, a first, with a novel told from a white person's point of view, mm. uh, Giovanni's okay. Room, yeah, which yeah. is about a homosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baldwin, in my mind, was more successful than, uh. than, uh, than Styron. But anyway, yeah. He, he didn't win the Pulitzer Prize for that one. No, he right? didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this book also, or this story, strikes me as similar uh, to how people responded maybe to Melville's Benito Serino, which has the, the, the black character and the babo in that become... Um, uh, you know, a, a murderer, basically, a duplicitous, yeah, yeah. conniving murderer, really to escape slavery. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, Which is the yeah. idea that what's going on exactly. here? They're trying to escape being enslaved and tortured. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sold. And, 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 and what you hear in, the, in this movie, in the interviews with a lot of the older white people in the community, uh, is, well... Uh, we shouldn't have had slaves, but they shouldn't. Nat Turner shouldn't have killed children. Right. And, and wasn't, there's always some yeah. kind of. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. No. It's it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, it wasn't a declared war. If, if yeah, he'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he had declared war, yeah, it then would have then been would okay. be okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. There are several more movies that you talk about in your book, and uh, one in particular, uh, War Warm. Warming, Warming by the by Devil's, Devil's Fire, Fire, great movie about blues music. Yeah, it's one of the again, his is the best out of that Martin well, Scorsese I, yeah, series. I, I, you think? I, I agree, and it's a, it's one of his most autobiographical films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, there does seem to be a lot of autobiography there is. In, mm-hmm. in, in in Burnett's work. So go out there and see what you can. Like I said, you can get uh, at least I know you can get uh, to Sleep with Anger and and, um, and 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 by all means see Night John if you can. Oh, uh, you know I think it was on Netflix not too long. Yeah, ago, it, pr- it probably is. Mm-hmm. I think you can still get a a, a, a DVD of that. Super. <laughs> And you can get the DVD of uh, To Sleep, excuse me, uh, uh, Killer of Sheep, mm-hmm. and it comes with My Brother's Wedding also. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so th- thank you, Jim. Sure, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. our show. We'll go out with a song that closes the movie To Sleep With Anger and features a trumpet solo by Ramon Flores. Thanks to Jim Naramore for joining, to, uh, joining us to kind of rush through some of the films of Charles Burnett and for all his help in planning the show, though I think I made him crazy doing so. Um, all the flaws of the show are mine. Jim's new book is Charles Burnett, A Cinema of Symbolic Knowledge. We didn't get around to talking about, as I said, Warming by the Devil's Fire, um, but um, you can read about uh, that particular, uh, actually there's a, a chapter in the September Rider magazine. Yeah, the, the current issue of the Rider has it, yeah. Has, has that uh, Jim's treatment of uh, Warming by the Devil's Fire. Thanks again, Jim. Thank uh, you. Next week, I'm joined by Joan Hawkins and Jim Kelly of IU's Media School to discuss the evolution of AIDS from its origins in the equatorial forests of Cameroon to its outbreak in the 1980s to the efforts currently being made in Africa with the participation of some IU students to contain it. Thanks for listening. I'm Doug Storm. I produce Interchange. Rob Schoon is assistant producer, and Bryce Martin is our studio engineer. Our executive producer is Wes Martin. Stay tuned for Counterspin, followed by The Jazz Menagerie, coming up next on WFHB.